Welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Steve Piasecki podcast. Dead Stripper is the first book in the Steve Piasecki series. But a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and the depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, into Chapter 7 of Dead Stripper, where we step inside a meeting at CID headquarters inside the media courthouse and find out that the Sinaloa drug cartel is poking its nose into Delaware County. Scene 26. At the same time, CID headquarters, media courthouse, media. The district attorney and his chief assistant prosecutor enter the main conference room. Both are wearing three-piece suits. Robert Green, 49, is a district attorney. Tall and lean, he goes by Bob around the courthouse. Henry Baldino, 38, is the chief prosecutor. Originally from South Philly, he's short and stocky with dark wavy hair, and he goes by Hank. Sorry we're late, the DA tells the chief. No problem, Bob. He's Herbert George, just turned 50. He always wears a tie and keeps his shirt sleeves rolled up to the elbows, but he rarely wears a jacket. He's sitting at the far end of a long conference table. We're still waiting for Frank. Detectives Bishop and Gerber are already seated on one side of the table. The prosecutor takes a seat across from the detectives and the DA takes a seat at the near end of the table. Moments later, Frank Santangelo arrives almost out of breath. He's 40, tall and stocky, and a veteran of 18 years with the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA for short. Sorry, he says, got stuck in traffic on the blue route. He looks around, spots the empty chair next to the prosecutor, and takes a seat. I had to run all the way from the garage. Thanks for being here, the chief begins. I know this wasn't on anyone's agenda today, so I'll keep it as short as possible. Then he addresses Detective Bishop. Pam, get us started. Yes, sir. She remains seated. Yesterday, the body of a white female was found in the bathtub in her apartment at the media station apartments. Pending any adverse findings in the subsequent autopsy, scheduled for Monday, her death is classified as an accidental drug overdose. Whoa, the DA interrupts. Herb, you called us here to discuss an accidental overdose? I understand your concern, Bob, but please bear with us. The reason will soon become clear. Go ahead. Pam, the chief says, please continue. Detective Bishop taps a keypad in front of her, and a crime scene image appears on a large screen on the wall. It shows the dead stripper lying inside the bathtub in the bathroom of her apartment. That's the victim. Everyone looks at the image for several seconds. Next, the chief says, Detective Bishop taps again, and an image of the drug paraphernalia is superimposed off to the side of Vic. We observe this drug paraphernalia, she continues, in close proximity to the victim. Note the white residue on the mirror and the small plastic baggie next to the mirror. Looks exactly like a typical OD scene, DA says. We're we talking about cocaine or heroin. Ken couldn't be with us today, the chief says, so mail us a copy of the drug analysis. Pam, do the honors. The lab detected, she reached from her notebook, a lethal amount of C22H28N2O. What's that? DA asks. Fentanyl, the chief responds. Please continue, Pam. And please note, she says, that this baggie is different 
than any we ever saw before. How so? The DA asks. She taps the keyboard and flips the image of the baggie onto the reverse side. This particular baggie is trademarked with the letters U-B-E-R stamped in black. I'll say that's different, the DA says. What's that all about? The prosecutor asks. That's why Frank's here. The chief turns his head toward the DEA agent. Frank, please take over. My pleasure. What we have here, gentlemen, sorry, Pam, what we have here, lady and gentlemen, is the beginning of a fentanyl invasion into your jurisdiction. And we're hoping the chief aims his response at the DA that if we take appropriate and proactive steps and take them quickly, we might be able to nip its spread before it gains any traction. Please continue, the DA says. For almost a year now, the agent continues, my colleagues in New York have been surveilling an operation headed by a Mexican national calling himself the Cisco Kid. He glances at his notes. His full name is Francisco Zayas, and he's a big man in the Sinaloa cartel with connections all the way back to Culiacan in Mexico. El Chapo's group, the prosecutor adds. Exactly. And this Cisco kid controls nine drug sales in and around New York City. Right now, we have enough to indict him for conspiracy, but we want to bring him down, bring him down hard, and bring down his whole ring along with him. So we're cooling our heels as we gather more and more intel. That's all well and good for you, the DA says. But what does this Cisco kid in New York have to do with us? In the past, the DE agent says, he was just dealing grass and coke, but now he's added fentanyl to his arsenal. And get this, he recently started using Uber drivers to distribute the fentanyl. And he stamps his fentanyl baggies with the Uber trademark, just like the one on the screen. You don't say, the DA says. And we believe, the DEA agent says, that he added a connection down here who's doing the same thing, which probably explains this bag. What do you know about the operation down here? The DA asks. Not much. That's why it's imperative, the chief says, that we take appropriate and proactive steps quickly. Scene 27. Two hours later, Babes in Toyland Strip Club. Detectives Bishop and Gerber enter the manager's office. They introduce themselves and present their credentials. Please uh, be seated, the manager says, then indicates two chairs on the opposite side of his desk. The detectives sit. Mr. Cohen, Detective Bishop begins. We're doing some routine follow-up on the death of one of your employees. She glances at her notebook. Miss Rita Forsythe, I uh, got the unfortunate news yesterday. Our condolences. Sir, what we're trying to do now is get an understanding about what happened. What can you tell us about it? She was uh, very popular with the customers. This is shocking news, uh, definitely shocking. All of us here at the uh, club are uh, willing to do whatever we uh, can to help you folks in your investigation. Thanks in advance for your cooperation. On our last night here, do you know what time she left the club, who she left the club with, or how she left the club? I know she uh, left in an Uber because I uh, ordered it for her. And I can uh, provide someone who uh, knows a little more. He presses a button on the intercom. Yes, sir, female's voice replies. Roberta, please tell uh, Sal to report to my office. Yes, sir. A knock on the door comes seconds later. Come in, the manager calls out. 
The door opens and the bouncer enters. He steps inside and closes the door. This is uh, Sal Mazin, the manager says. He's one of uh, our bouncers here and he uh, was on duty that night. I'm Detective Bishop. She presents her credentials. And this is my partner, Detective Gerber. Detective Gerber flashes his badge. We just told Mr. Cohen, Detective Bishop says, that we're doing routine follow-up on the death of uh, Miss Rita Forsythe. The bouncer nods without saying anything. We'd like to ask you a question or two. Do I need a lawyer? Why? Did you do something wrong? No, but that's what they always say on TV, you know, on those cop shows. <laughs> Don't say nothing without your lawyer being present. This isn't a cop show on TV. We're just trying to get some information. You understand? Yeah. Good. Then let's try again. We're trying to determine Miss Forsyth's last movements on her last night here. Do we have your permission to proceed? Yeah, sure. Question number one. Do you know what time Miss Forsyth left the club? Around 11.30. How can you be so sure? That's when I took my break. And that's when I seen her putting on her coat. She left a few minutes later. I see. Do you know how she left the club? She took an Uber. As I already mentioned, the manager says. Yes, sir, I remember. And she looks back at the bouncer. It's Sal, is it not? Yeah. Sal, to make sure I'm clear on this, you're telling me that you saw Miss Forsyth leave here in a new. Is that correct? Yeah. Did you see the vehicle she left in? Silver SUV, but I didn't catch the mate. Did you see the driver? A white dude. I seen him load her things in the back of the SUV, but all I seen was his back. Is there any way you could identify him? Nah, I never seen his face. What did the driver load into the SUV? Her makeup kit and some shopping bags, like from Macy's, I think. Two of them. Do you have any idea what was in those shopping bags? Clothes, I guess. Was she in the habit of taking an Uber home? Most of them take Ubers, Uber or Lyft. Does she have a regular driver? Not really. Somebody just shows up. Uh, are you done with me yet? Pretty much. And she looks at her partner. By the way, Sal, Detective Gerber says, it is Sal, right? Yeah. What happened to your face? The question catches the bouncer off guard and it takes him a few seconds to respond. I do judo. So you participate in judo? Yeah, I was doing some self-defense the other day. We were outside and people were just picking shit up off the ground, you know, wherever they could find it. My guy got like branches from a weeping willow tree. He hit me across the face with the branches. Scene 28, five minutes later. Rain's falling when the detectives exit the club. That judo routine, Detective Gerber says, didn't sound convincing. They're hurrying across the lot toward their unmarked car. And he looked nervous as hell, for sure. But let's not lose focus on why we came here. Now we know she left here in a movie. And we know, he adds, that she was found dead the next day with an Uber baggie in close proximity. Quite a coincidence. They reach the car and get inside. Once again, Detective Gerber sitting behind the wheel, Detective Bishop's riding shotgun. The car pulls away. Detective Bishop takes out her cell phone, punches one of her speed dials, and waits for an answer. Emily, Pam here. I need you to contact Uber headquarters for me. And that's the end of Chapter 7. Join us next time for Chapter 8, where we watch the charade develop at Jess's party where Steve and Margot pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend. Or are they pretending?